Hi, I'm Dr. Marcy Reese, and welcome to Gut Matters. We live in a chaotic world. Everyone has stress. Whether it's because of finances, relationships, politics, work, our worlds seem to be getting more and more complicated. When you're living with Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, or other gastrointestinal disorders, life carries with it a whole new set of challenges. Gut Matters is more than a podcast. It's a platform to create a community of individuals with gastrointestinal conditions who are striving to get the most out of life. We are going to look at challenges and solutions for navigating issues. We will hear from doctors and others devoted to alleviating the suffering of patients. And together, we can use adversity as a catalyst for growth. When you first get a chronic disease diagnosis, there are often a mix of emotions, anywhere from happiness that there's now a name and an explanation for the symptoms you've been feeling, to sadness and grief at the loss of health. But now we know there is a chronic illness that is going to be, well, chronic, which means it's going to be around as long as you're around, which means you're going to have to tell people about it sometimes because you need their help and sometimes because you need their love and support. For many people suffering with serious chronic illness, sharing it with others is challenging because it's emotionally painful and we're not necessarily very skilled at sharing painful things with other people. So how do we get comfortable talking about something as painful as illness, especially gastrointestinal illness, that often comes with some symptoms that make it even harder to talk about, like diarrhea. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the concept of disclosure. Who do you tell? How do you tell? How much do you tell? When do you tell? How do you share what your disease is all about? And how do you explain your needs to those who you want support from? Let's dive in. I'm going to use inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD, as the example. But this applies to pretty much all chronic illnesses. If you tell someone you've been diagnosed with chronic gastrointestinal illness like IBD, they ask the most obvious question, and the one that may be the most challenging to answer, which is, what is it? Or how does it affect you? So then comes the really hard part. Do you say, well, it's this bloody diarrhea disease? You see what I'm getting at? It's really hard to talk about. Most of us live in a world where body image and being attractive and sexy is an important part of life. We want to feel good about ourselves and our bodies, and somehow IBD seems to cut to the core of feeling that way. I'm going to give you some concrete tips that I hope will help when disclosing or explaining your IBD or other chronic illness to people who just don't get it. Tip number one, the level of disclosure should be based on the type of relationship it is. It's important to remember that there are different levels of relationships with people that may need to know. Some people that you may want to disclose to include your partner, your immediate family, your extended family and friends, your boss, your colleagues, and random people who you may need assistance from, like people in line ahead of you for a public bathroom. I'm going to discuss these groups of people differently, as not all of them should be handled the same way. With each of these groups, It's important to remember tip number two. The people you're talking to are not in your head. Well, what exactly does that mean? They can't hear your thoughts. They only know what you tell them. 
That may sound totally obvious, but let's think about how that translates. What we say and how we say it will directly impact what the listener hears and feels. Let's look at a couple of different approaches. Let's imagine first that I tell someone that I have this disease called IBD. It can be painful, and I go to the bathroom a lot. Most people can understand that. At some point in time in their lives, most people have had diarrhea with a virus or food poisoning or an infection. Pretty much everyone knows what stomach pain is and even soreness around the anus. You don't have to give great detailed descriptions because most people have some experience with these issues. They'll get it if you provide them with something reasonable they can understand. Now let's try and think through a different approach. Let's imagine I tell someone that I have IBD and they ask, what is it? Well, what if I responded this way? Oh, it's this truly disgusting disease. I poop bloody diarrhea. I have accidents in my pants. My butthole hurts like crazy. Now let's imagine what you're really feeling is much more aligned with this second explanation of IBD. The listener hears your pain. They hear your disgust and repulsion. And they're going to naturally feel a little uncomfortable. Most people shy away from things that make them uncomfortable. It's the rare human that leans into someone else's pain. Most people, unfortunately, withdraw. So how you present the information will often determine whether or not the listener leans in or pulls back. Now you might be saying, this is really unfair. Why is it my burden to explain this in a way that makes someone else uncomfortable? I'm the one who has to suffer with this. I don't feel comfortable with it. I'm going to share a little wisdom with you. Life just isn't fair. I wish that everyone leaned into other people's pain and suffering, but I've come to terms with the reality that most people pull back from that which makes them uncomfortable. So for the most part, you're going to want to just share the basics with people that are not really part of your true inner circle. Now that we have a better understanding of how to describe your disease based on what people hear, which is based on what we tell them, now let's figure out who we should actually be sharing detailed information about our illness and our experiences with. Let's think about our different relationships. We can think of each of these relationships as a layer of closeness and trust. You have your partner, your immediate family, your extended family and friends, your boss, your colleagues, and random people you may need assistance from, like people online ahead of you for a public bathroom. Here's tip number three. You can think of how much to share with these different groups of people based on levels of trust. Now, trust is a complicated concept. We all think we know people we can trust and other people we don't really trust. But what does that actually mean and what should trust actually be based on? No one is actually trustworthy all the time and in all contexts. Right now, think of someone you believe that you can trust. That person may be trustworthy in your mind because they really have your back when you need them. They show up for you, support you, help you through challenges, and never share with others what you share with them in confidence. But if you think about that person, they're flawed because they're just people, which means they can't be trusted in all contexts at all times. Maybe they're just late a lot when you have a set time to go out with them. Maybe they totally flake right before getting together. Maybe they're a bit embarrassing because sometimes they show up in clothing that you don't think is appropriate for the activity you're doing, but you just overlook these flaws because that's not really important to you. What's really important to you is that you know they're in your corner. They'll be there to support you when you really need them. So trustworthiness in a person doesn't mean you can rely on them to do all the things you want the way you want. 
but it does mean they have a consistent track record of behavior in the areas that are really important to you. You can rely on the consistency of their behavior in ways that line up with your value system. And hopefully your partner and the people in your immediate family or the people among your extended family and friends have a level of trustworthiness you feel you can rely on to share confidential, private, and painful information with because they have a history and track record of behaving in this trustworthy way. With people who have this high level of trustworthiness, it's important for those people to really understand the details of your illness, how you feel about it, how it presents in your life, so they can best appreciate all you're going through and best support you. That's how to think about how much to share, again, based on the level of trust with that individual person. Now let's think about how much to share. When you think of these layers of people in your entire social world, you're in charge of what you share. You get to decide how much you share, and just because people ask doesn't mean you need to tell them. But how do we not share when people ask us to share? We can learn a lot from politicians about speaking without sharing. Have you ever noticed that politicians often answer questions without really answering questions? If someone asks details that you are not comfortable answering, it's a great skill to learn to politely not answer. For example, if someone asks you invasive questions like, is your fistula still draining pus? A great non-answer is, I'm working on it, or things are coming along, or it's a journey. If people ask details about treatments, you can similarly answer, we're figuring it out. There are many expressions and words that sound like we're answering questions, but the truth is they don't really give any information that we don't want to share, and we're not being rude. If you're not quite skilled at not answering questions, you're also free to say, I'd rather not discuss it. The key is to find language that makes you feel like you're in control of the level of disclosure, while at the same time not fully offending someone who's just trying to be supportive. Now let's think about your boss and colleagues, and this one can get tricky. On the one hand, you need to share with your boss and colleagues what's going on, to the extent that your work is impacted or to the extent that you need a colleague to fill in for you. At the same time, you want to be thoughtful. Bosses need to think about the bigger picture, the company, the goals, the budgets, the deadlines. And if you share that you're really struggling with your disease, even though the laws are typically on your side, and even though your boss may seem supportive, it can make things stressful at work. Colleagues may want to be supportive, but if you don't carry your weight, extra weight may land on them and they may feel resentful. They also may be naturally competing with you for success within the company. So if you need to disclose in the workplace, be thoughtful about sharing just what's necessary. Bosses and colleagues shouldn't typically be the people that you lean on, cry to, share all your fears with. Share what's necessary so that you're not carrying the burden of hiding anything and so that you can get the accommodations you need. But overall, generally, keep sharing with bosses and colleagues too on an as-need-to-know basis. Lastly, let's think about strangers or people you don't really know, but that you may need their help. Imagine you're on an airplane. The seatbelt sign has been on for a while. You've managed to hold it, but now you really gotta go. There's a long line to the bathroom. The seatbelt sign finally comes off. Tools like I can't wait cards or I need to cut the line cards can be very useful. They're cards that briefly and clearly describe that you have a health condition 
that makes waiting for the bathroom extremely difficult? And can they please accommodate you by allowing you to cut ahead in the line? This can be really uncomfortable. But the good news is most of these people, well, you're never going to see them again. The truth is, if you find this really uncomfortable, you're not alone. But advocating for yourself is a muscle that you really need to work on strengthening. Now let's address timing. Is there a right time to share with others what you're going through with your illness? There's a basic rule that I recommend with regard to the timing of disclosure. The same rule applies to all the different layers of people in your social world. Which brings us to tip number four. Find the sweet spot between them feeling like you overshared and feeling betrayed that you didn't share something important with them. To understand this idea, it's maybe easiest to think about what disclosure looks like when dating. Imagine you've started dating someone. The first date went really well. The second date went even better. There's great chemistry, great conversation. You're both excited to see where this relationship could go. You're both more or less on the same wavelength. That's the time to disclose. Because what happens if you disclose on a first date, even if you really like each other? It's hard for people to want to sign up for being with someone who's got a chronic illness. Now, let's not judge. This doesn't make anyone evil. Let's be honest. If we didn't have to be sick, we would choose not to be. And if we could be with healthy partners, we would choose to be with healthy partners. Let's try now going in the other direction. Let's imagine you just can't bring yourself to tell the person you're dating about your IBD or your other chronic illness. You keep trying, but you just can't muster the courage or find the words, and you keep waiting and waiting. Then you start pushing off being physically intimate because you don't want them to know you're in an illness flare, and you're just too physically uncomfortable. What can happen is that they start to misread your messages, and they feel rejected. All kinds of bad outcomes are likely to result. They may feel like you're rejecting them, when in reality, you're just uncomfortable with your body and sharing something deeply personal and painful that's happening. There is a sweet spot, and sometimes it's hard to figure it out. But it is the time when they're invested enough in you and the relationship, and they're a little more prepared to deal with some challenges, but not so far into the relationship that they feel betrayed that you didn't tell them something important. I gave the example in terms of dating. The same is true in finding a sweet spot with pretty much all of the people in your different circles of social relationships. The only caveat to this rule is that you come first, even if someone will feel betrayed that you didn't tell them. If you didn't fully trust someone with your painful information because they aren't trustworthy to maintain your confidence or support you in the way you need them to, you get to choose to not tell them. Your emotional safety comes first. So let's summarize. We've covered how to share information about your illness. Know that how you share with someone will directly impact how they feel about it. We've talked about levels of disclosure, how much to disclose should be based on levels of trustworthiness. We've talked about being a politician and only sharing what you're comfortable sharing. And we've talked about the timing of disclosure. Find the sweet spot so people don't feel like you shared too much too soon, but also don't feel betrayed. Sharing that you have an illness and information about that illness can be really challenging. I hope that this episode gave you some helpful guidance. Thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe and leave me feedback. If you would like to work with me to help you manage your chronic illness, please reach out to me directly at drmarcyreese at gmail.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-C-I-R-E-I-S-S at gmail.com. My goal is to use this podcast to help you. 
I don't want anyone with gastrointestinal disease to feel alone. So let me know what topics you would like to hear about. And let's keep talking because gut matters.